Watch it, boys racing. Here we go, and go hot. And go hot. Very good. The Paddler's Pod with Sam and Mecca. Hello and welcome back to the Paddler's Pod. I have never been more excited not to have Mecca Heinard here with me today. We have another guest host while he is still running around the country with his Summer of Surf series, and that is a man who is well known to that series too, Mitchell Trim. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you, Sam. It's uh, awesome to be here chatting all things Padley. Very excited to... Um off a couple of topics. Mate, I'm very excited about having you on today too because your expertise is uh, something that I'm, I'm pretty keen to lean on a little bit. But beyond that, you're one of the most enthusiastic paddlers I know and you love having a yarn with me. So we, now we actually get to do it and the rest of the paddling world can hear it. Perfect. That's what I love. Hey, how's your day going, Trimmy? And how's your paddling going at the moment? What's focus for you? Uh, it's going well, Sammy. Uh, mate, we are in the thick of the surf life-saving, the spec ski paddling. Um, but it is very exciting to have the um, the ocean ski races up and about. Uh, one of those races was last weekend, and we've got another one coming up. Um, our state titles just got uh, postponed a week for water quality, so it's all happening. Dirty water. Yes, dirty water at uh, out of Queens, Queenscliff Lagoon. Another couple of days of extra training, and we should be uh, firing for that, that event in a fortnight time. No disrespect to the Ironman, of which you were once a, a full-time Ironman as well, Trimmy, a specialist iron guy, but that's why we sit on top of the water. We don't oh, have def- to worry about it when we're not swimming in it. I'm not uh, diving into a, a bowl of Cocoa Pops at the moment, it looks like at the moment, so... Uh, sit on top, have a chat while we're training and uh, and racing as well. Hey, that's exactly right. And you did mention there too that you have been getting into ocean ski races more and more. We love name dropping you on the podcast and we have been a fair bit throughout the last kind of couple of months too when you've been making that transition. So we're going to be having a chat about that journey for you a little bit later on. But first, mate, we're going to kick things off with our power plays. So you're a long-time listener of the podcast, Trimmy. You're good to go. Ready and rearing. And uh, yeah, got uh, big shoes to fill with, uh, with Mac and not having a chat. So I'll, I'll do my best. The Peddler's Pod. Power Plays. Which this episode is once again brought to you by Wash Rider. Number three. We all love downwind paddling, don't we, Trimmy? It's the one session that we look forward to more than any other, isn't it? We love the feeling of going downwind. Oh, definitely. It's one of those things where you get into work on a Monday and you look up the weather forecast to see if there was any wind on the horizon, especially for those Saturdays and Sundays where you're you're out of work and and, uh, you've got plenty of sunlight. So... Yeah, any time there's a chance of uh, some good winds in, in either direction, we're, we're always out there. How many do you reckon you did last year? Off the top of my head, I reckon I did six downwind runs. Not enough, Sammy. I reckon I might have been one in front of you. I reckon I did about seven or eight. It's just, it is tr- it is tricky to get those winds, especially in Sydney, to get those northerly or southerlies in, in the bang-on direction because we do get those westerlies in the winter and they're just hard to find. Well, that context is important. That's why I wanted to flag that first because Dale Robinson, a paddler from Fishhook in Cape Town in South Africa. Last year did 222 Miller's runs. We all know the Miller's runs. It's one of the most iconic downwind courses in the world, 11.7 kilometers. And he has smashed any other record that has come close. I think 120 might have been the previous mark, but Dale said he's always paddled along that course. He never thought to count it until last year. By the end of January... He said, hold on, I've done 30 already and I'm up to January 23 or something like that. So I might see how far I can push it. 
and he pushed it to unbelievable lengths. And he even did a few other downwinders on different courses as well. We've been told since posting the article on the Paddler.news, 240 might have been the final number for him, Trimmy. It defies all belief, and I think it takes the love of downwind paddling to a whole new level. That is unbelievable. Um, Crazy. To, that's like a morning coffee and a downwind paddle all in one every day, nearly. I'm not much of a mathematician. You actually are the numbers guy, but I'm thinking that's two in every three days. That is incredible. And and to not only get out in the water motivation-wise, but to get that wind two-thirds of the year is is incredible. So hats off to him. That's a lot of downwind paddling, and, and that's a lot of strokes uh, over those 200-plus paddles. Well, that's the unbelievable thing about that, Shrimi. The one that struck me certainly was that he says that over that entire year, only two or three he would call an unenjoyable downwind on a bad day. So, gee, there would have been a lot of paddles downtime there because that is a lot of paddling. I think about 2,500 kilometres along that Miller's Run stretch last year. So it's not just the effort that actually is the impressive thing, but the logistics that goes into something like that as well. Mate, I know we have to call in plenty of favours when you want to get a downwind run in. If you're calling on... Ab your wife to do a shuttle. You may be doing a bit of housework later in the day to make up for it. So he has done pretty well to pull that off. He's nailed it. And how is his rudder and his steering? Is his steering all good? He would have been chasing runs all over the water. Hope there was no lost steering there over those uh, over those paddles. No, you'd be checking your rudder cables before each time you go out on the water. But he said in terms of his downwind skills that it was a really noticeable improvement throughout the year. He said by the end of the year, paddling downwind became like walking. For him. It just became second nature, looking for the right angles, looking for the right lines, and it was almost like he was on autopilot. So there's probably a pretty good lesson in all of that somewhere, isn't there, Trimmy, that if you want to try and improve your downwind paddling, the only way you can do that is just by getting out there and doing the repetitions. It's one of the hardest skills to pick up because you can talk someone through going downwind as much as you want, but unless you're out there actually doing that and, and putting your ski into positions that you know you need to sort of try yourself it's a it's a it's more of a teach yourself type skill which is hard to it's hard to explain to people but it's just more time out in the water the better you've always paddled but lately you have been spending more time in the ocean ski as well trimmy have you found that that it's a different type of downwind paddling your spec ski where i guess you're going flat stick back into the beach to try and be patient and work with the ocean like that Oh, definitely. I think um, over the last couple of years, I've tried to transition from the surf ski three-minute race to um, to the ocean ski races. And I think it, it, it takes time to, to execute a race perfectly, uh, which is what I'm finding and is what everyone says. But it's one of those races where you have to listen to your body um, and don't overpower if, you, if you're not on runs or if you're not on swell. Um, and you really got to pick your times of, of when you go and when you don't. So I think every ocean ski race over the last couple of years, you, you finish and you learn so much from it. So I think it's why it's so Moorish at the moment. Mate, we need to start getting in those Ks then. Maybe 222-odd. Yeah, it makes you realise how good they've got it in Cape Town as well, not just because of the conditions, but it's worth pointing out to Vinny from Miller's Run Taxi. He's those shuttle runs for all the paddlers over there in Cape Town, Trimmy. You wouldn't believe it, mate. It, it's, it's actually the dream. You pay about $10. You get on the bus. They put your ski on your trailer, drive you to the start, and then they're there with all your clothes and that kind of thing at the finish as well. I've actually been lucky enough to get that kind of first-class treatment when I was over there. I couldn't believe it. So that certainly makes it a hell of a lot easier when you've got those kind of options at your fingertips as well, eh? Well, you let me know when Vinny wants to come over for a holiday and uh, we can <laughs> we, we can put him to work. I don't think he'd enjoy driving along the traffic on the northern beach 
beaches from one end to the other. It's a bit different over there in Cape Town. Especially with our wet weather here, it'll take you an hour to get there. It's a pretty unbelievable record. It's something that's going to stand for quite a while, at least for another 12 months, because Dale won't be trying to better that this year. He's actually picked out a new target, a new challenge for him. He has a Zimbabwean friend, Admore, who had never paddled. He can't swim and had never been in the ocean. But together, they're going to be doing the Freedom Paddle in a few months' time, which is the iconic race in Cape Town that takes you out and around Robin Island in double skis. So he is looking to incorporate fundraising into that one with a few more challenges towards the end of the year. So another worthy challenge, Trimmy, but he deserves a bit of a rest from those Miller's runs after his 2021. Eh? Anytime you can get on the water and do a good thing, it's, uh, it's a win-win for everyone. Number two. Well, it's the news that the paddling community were hoping would never come true. Molokai, the iconic race from the island of Molokai to Oahu in Hawaii, perhaps surf ski paddling's most renowned race all over the globe, has been cancelled in 2022. The Kanaka Akaika Racing Association officially put out a statement this week saying that the race won't be going ahead due to a variety of reasons they listed as sponsorships, securing permits, and local community relations, meaning that it was just unable to happen this year. They have highlighted 2023 as the return because it was 2019, the last time we saw the race go ahead. And in some positive news for the future of the event, Shoreham Partners has agreed to come on as the major race sponsor after Maui Jim stepped back during the pandemic shutdown. So Trimmy, you and I were both booked. We were both on a flight, ready to go over there for the race this year. You're still a champion. I might add as well, the 2019 double ski champion with the great Dean Gardner. But, mate, you'll be holding on to that title for at least another year. Oh, to have that world we call ourselves the tandem champions, uh, that title, <laughs> we are very, very stoked with. But, yeah, we are both shattered that uh, we can't get over again there this year and, and defend our title. Yeah, a really intricate decision as well. I've had a chat to Jim Foti from the Kanaka Akaika Racing Association about just what intricacies were involved in that. And that article is going to be going online shortly. It is a pretty complex one too. They do mention it in the statement, but really the crux of it there is the local community relations with people from Molokai. The community just wasn't quite comfortable to have tourists coming back to the island yet, given the COVID situation over there. So while the rest of the world has been opening back up and us here in Australia, well, we took a long time to do that, but now we are starting to do that too. It's just not quite time yet for Molokai. So We'll have a chat a bit more about this in, in more detail on our next episode of the podcast. But Mitch, for now, tell us about the race because I actually haven't done it before and it's the one race in the world that is being on my bucket list for so long now and I haven't been able to get over there. And from everything that I hear from everyone who has done it, it's a must do. I was lucky enough to do the board race in the team uh, about 10 years the ago. and, and then I got the <laughs> That was when I was doing my Ironman days. It was an absolute shocker. Oh. I think it took us about six and a half hours and it was uh, it was a great experience, but something I will never do again on a board. Um, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd prefer to, uh, to uh, sit upright in a surf ski and got the tap on the shoulder uh, back in 2019 and Dean said let's have a crack on the double and, and that's what we did and he absolutely put me to the sword Dino um, I think we did it about three hours 20 and uh, from the three hour mark I was custard I couldn't keep my hands <laughs> up I uh, I was yelling out for water in the in the last 10 minutes but it's, it's a great experience um, something I'll cherish for a very long time and to sit behind such a calibre paddler like Dean uh, chasing runs for three hours was just incredible. So 
yeah, um, some memories that uh, that will last for a lifetime. Um, just a bit of a shame we can't get there and have another crack at it. The race sounds like it has that incredible culture too, the celebration of Hawaiian culture and the community spirit behind it, the kind of race where even though you are racing each other, you're kind of racing against a challenge as well that you're trying to overcome. The whole lead up is just so special. Uh, the morning we flew over and then, then you've got to try and find your boat out off the beach and and then you've got to try and work out, you know, what nutrition am I going to take and, and what line are we going to have? And, you know, it's just a bizarre feeling when they do blow the whistle, you take off and you can't even see a wahoo. So it's a... It's a surreal feeling. It's a big mental challenge. Um, but, yeah, it's just something that uh, that's a must-do for all, all paddlers out there. Yeah, so I guess it is a major hole now in the international racing calendar for the start of the year. There will be no global Molokai distance race happening in May. And a race that a lot of people normally use to springboard themselves into the shorter racing towards the end of the year too. So it was going to be a really stacked field this year with a lot of international talent. I know that Corey Hill was so hungry to reclaim that Molokai title from Hank McGregor, who was going to be taking part. So we will have to wait at least another 12 months to see that showdown go ahead. Paddlers, gee, I don't know what else there is to say, Trimmy. There's no consoling, is there? You're just going to have to wait another year to go to beautiful Hawaii. That's exactly right. It's uh, it's devastating that we can't get over to Hawaii. Uh, Sean Partners had a decent crew going, which was... Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be there 2019, and we had an absolute ball. The race was race was the uh, the icing on top there at the end of the week. But uh, I think there's a few sad paddlers around that can't get that done this year. But it's another 12 months of downwind paddling and 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 bettering our skills up against those uh, international paddlers. So uh, yeah, showdown 12 months time. There is one more positive as well, Trimmy, for the two of us and everyone else here in Australia is that we don't have to start grinding out those long Ks in the middle of winter leading up to the Molokai race. So we can enjoy a few sleep-ins maybe for a little while after Aussies, eh? Oh, definitely. Once we uh, get back from the Gold Coast uh, after the Aussie titles, we will be sleeping in um, and firing up for the uh, Ocean Ski Series through the winter and then, you know, back into the summer again. Number one. Well, that Australian Ocean Racing Series is now underway. The first race of 2022 here in Australia And perhaps the first big international race of the year, too, has been run and won by Tom Norton and Danielle McKenzie. The Bridge to Beach, which is the opening race of the Shore and Partners Australian Ocean Racing Series, was a fantastic spectacle last weekend in Sydney, Australia. Traditionally, it's a really big mass participation race because it's 10 kilometres on Sydney Harbour. The conditions are always quite flat. It's really welcoming for paddlers of all ages. And all abilities too. And it was just so great to see so many paddlers there for it. What I believe to be a record, more than 400 boats were out on the water. The shots and the videos from that are just breathtaking as you go past Sydney Harbour Bridge and the Opera House too. Trimmy, it was a fantastic day on the water. The only thing that made it a little bit less comfortable was the fact that we actually had to sprint for 10 kilometres as well. Oh, that was uh, that was hard work. Um, but, you know, it all sounds nice, but when the gun goes and your heart rate goes to, to 190 to 200 and you go, oh, I've got to hold this for 45 minutes, um, yeah, you start sort of you get into a few dark places. But great event, plenty of people out in the water, absolutely sensational um, you know, great conditions for it. And uh, I think everyone had a awesome time. Yeah, before we get stuck into the men's and women's races, it's actually worth noting that as well. I had a moment where I crossed the finish line and had a look around and there was so many paddlers coming across the line. There was so many people watching. There was music, there was smiles and laughs and people 
sharing war stories. And it's the first race in Australia since the pandemic hit that you actually look around and go, yeah, we're back to normal and we actually get to celebrate the things that we all love about paddling. There's plenty of people up that pointy end, but you stand after the finish line and you're there for, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour chatting to all different types of, um, you know, levels of paddlers and they all have the same stories is exactly what you said. Um, they all come over, you know, hands on their knees um, in agony and, and, and said they'd do it again in a heartbeat. So it was great to have a bit of normality about, uh, about life again and, you know, it's, uh, it's just good to be back paddling. So the men's race, it was a flying start from the pack two and a lot of really quick paddlers on that start line as well. But it was Tom Norton and Simon McTavish who were leading it out off the line. Simon, not really known in the surf ski world. It was his first ever major surf ski race, but he's a Canadian Olympian representing Canada at the sprint kayaking last year. And he's also grown up on the northern beaches as well. So Tom and Simon were setting the pace. Trimmy, you and I were scrambling to stay with them behind. I think after about 500 metres when a bit of boat wash started coming through, as always, that's when things start to break up. And, mate, we were left behind. The two of them kicked clear. Oh, I tell you what, if they were on the freeway, they would have got done for speeding. They were absolutely <laughs> moving. Um, it was it was a very fast start, and, um, and the race was fast. And... You know, if you if you weren't prepared to herd off the word go, you you were left for dead, which is uh, which was what is a few of us is what happened to us actually. So Tom and Simon kick clear after about one kilometer. Tom turned to Simon, who we actually used to paddle K twos with as well when the pair were both representing Australia. And Tom said, "All right, Simon, we're going to do three minute leads, three minute wash leads. We're going to work together because now that we've got this gap, we can't let them catch us back in." And Simon said, "All right, no worries, let's do it." By the end of that very first three minute, Tom had put a few boat lengths in him and he was gone. So from there, Tom didn't look back. He did that whole race pretty much in his own water and did it really impressively as well. We're going to hear from Tom in just a moment, but for the rest of the race, well, it all unfolded behind. So there was two lines that started to emerge when you turned Bradley's head. The first kind of left-hand turn in that race, making your way towards Manly Wharf. Trimmy, it was UI, Corey Hill and Oscar Jones were actually on a bit of a shallower line. Um, that was going quite well until we looked to the outside and we saw a few other paddlers, Luke Morrison and Greg Tobin, both clubmates of yours at Newport Surf Club. And then a few double skis starting to come through and we thought, oh shit, we've made a mistake here because they stuck with him for a while, didn't they? I tried to hang on to Simon and Tom for as long as I could and then I thought, oh, this is a bit silly and backed off and... And just couldn't get my heart rate down. And we had a nice little pack there going. And then the double skis brought up Luke Morrison, who is absolutely flying. And, and Tobin's always flying uh, all year round. And, you know, they got in a good grind. And it was just a good tassel the whole way down. Mate, there's no such thing as excuses. But I want to say this to actually give some context to just how impressive Luke Morrison's paddle was. We did a pretty solid spec ski session on the Saturday that I don't know about you, but when I got on the water on Sunday, I put a few strokes in and went, oh, uh, I'm feeling a bit heavy. Morrie, on top of doing that, paddled from Manly to the bridge to start the race. So that's 11 kilometres warming up. And then turned around and paddled back and finished second in what was, I guess, his most impressive ocean ski paddle to date. The man's a machine. He is a absolute weapon. He is made of kilometres. He loves his paddling. Once he gets in a ski, he's just got his hat and he's got his... He's Oakley Sunnies and he just goes like the clappers. And to see him hold that double wash for as long as he did was very impressive. Uh, I don't think anyone could have done that. Um, and yeah, and, and he's, you know, hats off to him. He's been around for years and years. And to get second um, 
on the, in that race was uh, I think he would have been pretty proud of that, and I was just stoked to uh, see him get a really nice race and execute it really well. Maury just edged out Corey Hill, the two-time world champion, was by his own admission a pretty slow starter off the line, but what he did in the back half of that race I found really impressive. He knew it was going to be a lot, if not too much, to reel in Tom. He knew that the doubles had already gone past, but he put his head down and grinded that out on his own for a really impressive third-place finish that I think, even though it might not have been the result that he was after, he's going to take a lot of confidence out of that. Oscar Jones was in fourth, and Greg Tobin was in fifth after having a really impressive 20 beaches paddle last year too. But the man they were all chasing was Tom Norton. I had a quick chat to him at the finish line about his victory. We are at the finish of the Bridge to Beach with the 2022 champion, Tom Norton. Tommy, now you look like you haven't even broken a sweat, mate. How do you feel? No, I definitely have, Sammy. Um, pretty spin. Like, I went hard the, right, the whole way. I um, wanted to use it as a test, as we all do, you know, first first one of the season. So, And after having a bit of a interrupted couple of years. So I wanted to see where I was at. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it went. Of course, because you and Simon McTavish got away really well and did open a little bit of a gap to even the second pack, which was Trimmy and I at that point when you did get away. The easy option is to actually settle into a rhythm with Simon, who's such a good flat water paddler, but you didn't. You know, you, wanted, you obviously wanted to push yourself today. Yeah, like once, once you, it's hard to get the gap. So once you get the gap, you've, you've got to go. You've got to make it count because you kick yourself if it all bunches up again and it's all wasted. So I tried really hard. Like Simon, I, I, he gave me one lead and it, it helped. And after that, I just kind of got in a rhythm and kept going. So, yeah. Poor Simon. It's his first major ocean ski race. He said to me at the end he couldn't believe the pace that you were going at. <laughs> uh, he, he'll come back. He'll, he'll, he'll figure it out, I'm sure. It'd be good to see guys like him and, and plenty of spec ski paddlers and more and more people getting involved, hey? Like, that's one thing that I thought standing at the finish was you look around and go, wow, this is a legit event now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um... Like Luke Morrison, who's mm. you know a phenomenal paddler, he's right in the mix. He, like you can't write that him off, or you know like Mitch Trim, yeah, who's a great paddler. Yourself, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, thank just you. so much depth. And then like we're we're still missing people like Jacko Collins and yeah. um, Riley Fitz is showing his interest in ocean ski paddling now. So it's um it's growing and growing, and it's getting tougher and tougher. Is it that kind of growth that's kind of in part motivating you as well? Like you know we come back to saying you wanted to test yourself. Like obviously you know you're going to have a big year ahead so you wanted to hang yourself out today yeah i think so like um it, it yeah de- you definitely can't uh, ease up ever like um everything's always got to be going and you've got to be training with purpose and and um making everything count because there's always someone there to jump on it when when you're not at your best yeah that's easier said than done especially this time of year like you know christmas and new year's and a wedding as well that didn't quite get to go to plan because of COVID. Like, you've had a lot on your plate, but obviously you have had that intent to go, this is important to set my year up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it is a tough... It's tough to get ready for this race. And, yeah, yeah I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit nervous coming into it because it hasn't been like any other year. Like, I, had I done enough or... Yeah, where was I at? And, yeah, so I'm happy, happy that I got the result with the amount of work that I've done so far. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, obviously happy with your paddle, but... How pleased are you to get that result, a win to start a year off? Yeah, it's good. It, it definitely doesn't mean too much because it's a long season, you know, like Corey Hills and, and like Mackenzie Heiner, people like that just come good at that tail end of the season where, where it really does count. So I'm aware that it, it is good to always win, but it's still only just the start, really. Just before we move on to the women's race, 
Mate, I think that's Tom's most impressive race of his career. I was really taken back by not only the pace, but just the intent and the way that he attacked it so hard and was determined to do it on his own because it's only 10 kilometres. But, mate, when you're paddling at that kind of pace, which I think for him was all below four tens and around four minutes for that entire 10K, that's unbelievable. Tommy is... He'd hate me saying this, but he's not the strongest paddler. His rating was through the roof. And you come off a spec ski, I've probably got a touch slower rating than mm. him looking for a little bit more, you know, grab and power. And his rating was through the roof and it did not stop the entire way. So you're right about his intent. He took off the line fast. That was it. He, he finished strong too. And when I came across the line, Dean said that Tom looked like he did it easily. So um, hats off to him. He was uh, He's going to be the one to watch um, over this winter and the upcoming summer. When Tommy was on the podcast a few episodes ago, we were having a laugh about when we used to race K1s. We used to have a challenge over the five and 200 metres between the two of us as to who would beat each other because... We were so far off the sprint pace, we thought we'd better give it something interesting. But, mate, I'll tell you what, the way he got off the line in the bridge to beach, maybe he has to think about making a comeback for the 200s. Trimmy, let's jump onto the women's results now because Danielle McKenzie produced something that I guess was almost a carbon copy in just how impressive it was the way she claimed victory, finishing almost two minutes ahead of Georgia Laird, who is one of the strongest paddlers in the world. Maddie Schmidt, the Canadian Olympian who is the partner of Simon McTavish, jumped in for her first surf ski race. She finished in third. Hannah Minogue was fourth and Montana Murray was fifth. We speak about the way that that race broke down to almost identical fashion. Danielle really taking it hard off the line. She said that she opened up a bit of a gap pretty early into that race and said, I'm going to go on with it from here. The people that she left behind, not just Georgia Laird, who we know is one of Australia's strongest paddlers, but Maddie Schmidt, who is a flat water kayaker. So you know that if Danielle's putting in almost two minutes into her, she must have pulled off something pretty unbelievable. The context to all of that is that Danny's been racing the Shore and Partners Summer of Surf. She's been racing in the Nutrigrain Ironwoman series. And she says in the chat that we're just about to hear that she hasn't been feeling too great lately. So what she did unbelievable paddling. Yeah, very impressive. And the way Danny goes about her business is uh, is pretty inspirational to all the young girls coming through. She turns up every week, uh, no matter what event it is. Sean Partners series there. You know, she was in the Nutrigrain up against a six-foot surf at Karawa, and then she jumps on the harbour a couple of weeks later and, and, and opens them right up on the flat water. So it's really good to see that, you know, she doesn't hide from, from these events. She likes to put her best foot forward every time she gets on, and, and she was very quick off the line. She certainly was. Let's hear what she had to say after that race. Danielle McKenzie, you've just stepped off the top of the podium. Medals around your neck. Must be pretty pleased with the win today. Um, yeah, look, it's a hard race out there. I think any any sort of flat race um, on Sydney Harbour is going to be pretty hard. Um, there was some awesome competition out there with those girls, and yeah, just had to do majority of the race by myself. Yeah, you must be pretty pleased with that part of it as well because you did do it the hard way. What kind of confidence do you take out of that? Uh, definitely a lot. Um, it's obviously been a while since we've done a lot of racing um, in the surf ski. And so you sort of, the first race of the season, you never really know what's going to happen. So it's a really good race that sets you up for the rest of the season. I guess given the fact that, you know, you all got away well, but then you kind of put the foot down coming into that first lighthouse a couple of k's in and decided to go on with it. That's a brave decision to make when you've had such a big schedule too. You know, the Nutrigrain series, the Shannon X9 Ironman Classic. 
did you think, okay, like, I've, you know, I'm, I'm ready to kind of push you, or are you a bit unsure about it? Look, at, at the start of the race, I was very unsure about it. Um, there was three, four really, really strong girls out there, and it could go anyone's day. But, um, yeah, I just I got a really good runner, and, and I just kept working it, and then, yeah, it turned into a second run. And I think you've got to take your opportunities. Look, I'm strong enough. Every, any girl out there is strong enough to paddle themselves around the course. And so that's what I had. I just never turned around and put my head down. And, and yeah, that really gave me the strength to come home. I have been a little bit fatigued over the past few weeks. Um, I mean, we're athletes, we're human. It does happen. Um, and it's just something you've got to work through as, as being an athlete, I think. Um, yeah, just I guess in your mindset, you just got to have confidence and really believe believe in yourself. And I've been listening to a couple of funny podcasts lately, and yeah, it's just about not giving up and making it home. Well, that's the thing that I was super impressed about was that like not just the way that you paddled and won, but the field that you did it over as well. Like you must be feeling really good about that moving into the rest of the year too. Yeah, look, the girls and the guys are so super strong out there. And I, someone said to me, oh, it's not so much about winning, it's about having those small little battles throughout the race. And I think um, so. it's so true. Um, every little moment in the race, um, you feel good, you feel uh, bad or you feel a little bit um, tired and then sort of someone might come past or you, something good happens to you, you might get a few good runs. Um, yeah, just it's about being in the moment and um yeah just i think it really sets up a really good season uh it's obviously going to be a pretty big one there's what 10 10 races overall and i'll just try and make as many as possible yeah you must look around today and kind of feel pretty inspired to go let's go on with it yeah absolutely i mean there's 400 paddlers here today that's absolutely unreal um it's such an awesome sport you can paddle with absolutely anyone from someone in a ocean kayak to a sub um to an ocean ski and I think it's a really growing a growing sport that everyone should be a part of. You can really hear the intent and determination in her voice there, Trimmy. It's funny to think about Danny's ocean ski paddling career. She burst onto the scene. Her first race was the 2019 World Titles, which she blitzed. She went on this incredible winning run, six of the biggest races in the world she picked up. And there was certainly no dip last year, but she actually had a couple of races where she didn't win. And I know that having that time off the top of the podium, even though they weren't racing for sheep stations in terms of the big global races, but she has come back with a vengeance because, mate, that is just... I, I, I still can't believe it. It was unbelievable. The girls started before us. You know, I was nervous standing, uh, waiting on the line, and, and I saw the girls took off, and I thought, oh, my, they have taken off like the clappers, and, and it just made me made me more nervous of, of what pace sort of we had to get to to, to try and chase these girls down because they... Uh, yeah, they were pretty uh, They were pretty quick, not only off the start, but around the course. The gap has been getting closer and closer over the years between the men's and the women's field. Danielle finished in 19th place overall, men's and women's on the weekend, and she has picked up some big names along the way too. It's actually worth noting, I saw a message that Danny got from the great Marty Kenny, one of the greatest downwind paddlers, you know, that we've ever seen in the sport. He sent Danielle a text after the race last Sunday and he said, Danielle, I've been racing for a very long time, but today I had a career first. The first time I've been beaten by a woman. He said, I couldn't be more glad that it happened today and I couldn't be more proud to say that you did beat me because of the way that you paddled out there today. It just goes to show just how much all of the women are doing in this space now too because, mate, 
Her time was 46 minutes. Like, Trimmy, you and I did it in 44. <laughs> we did it in 44. And she did it. Oh, God. And she you did know... it without the wash of people to chase as well. Like, you know, we had a bit of wash at times. Marty Kenny, you know, we, we single him out that he would have been wash riding throughout that race too. Danielle was doing it in her own water. Oh, I, I remember back going back uh, the doctor a couple of years and, and I pushed up in behind Danielle McKenzie. And I couldn't get rid of her for dead set 15 minutes. So she was getting runs in front of me and kept pushing in front. So these girls are just getting better and better. And um, yeah, if Danielle was two minutes behind us, who knows how she was going to go over the next couple of years against me. Uh, I'm just going to get older and older. That is such a classic yarn. It reminds me of racing Georgia Laird a few years ago. The Sunset Series before the Doctor, the Thursday night race. I think I might have been in like, you know, fifth or sixth or something. And, you know, we're, I've pulled up alongside this fan paddler because I was on a shallower line and I started dicing and then they've come back on a run and I'm thinking, who is this person on this fan? They had their cap pulled down across their face. We went head to head for about one kilometre and I looked in front and I could see a face and it was Georgia Laird and I went, holy <laughs> shit, I've got to get moving here. <laughs> Georgia was laughing about it at the finish. And, mate, I had, a, I had a good paddle that day. So it just goes to show just how well all the female paddlers around the world are going and just how much they're closing down that gap too. So a really successful start to the Australian Ocean Racing Series, Trimmy. We had a few faces missing from the kayaking world as well. Gemma Smith has normally done so well in that race. Her and Danny had a really good battle last year. Jackson Collins would have been watching on with interest. So it's going to combine to create a really big finish towards the end of the year with those big races and then you throw in the internationals too that will be there now that our borders are open. So an exciting year. Racing finally looks like it has a bright calendar year ahead. Oh, definitely. There's so many good things to look forward to. As you said, those international paddlers are going to come over with uh, you know, something to prove as they haven't been able to paddle against us for those uh, couple of years. Trimmy, we've been getting a few teasers, a few insights to your paddling career throughout our Power Play segment. But just after this ad, we'll be back to chat all about your journey and how it got to this point. This episode of the Paddler's Pod is brought to you by Wash Rider. We've been speaking about them for a fair while now. If you haven't checked out their website, now is the time. Head to washrider.com and get ready to have your mind blown with their full range of equipment and supplies. And not just paddling equipment too, we're talking about storage and transport of boats, clothing, even things like footrests, grips, resistance training bands. They have it all on their website. Look, the one that we all talk about is the Y-Rack. That's the detachable surf ski cradles for your roof that have been making big waves as well. I saw Michael Booth posting about it the other day. He's a big fan, and you know Boothy only settles for the very best, so make sure you check that out. And if you've got a bit of spare time as well, it's worth heading to Wash Rider TV on YouTube because Kieran Babich, who started Wash Rider, has uploaded some really helpful videos on how to best use his supplies and where they're best used as well. So that's the kind of service that Wash Rider brings. They don't just care about selling products for Kieran. This is a passion project. He's a paddler himself and he wanted a way to be able to use his skills and expertise to give back to the sport and he's certainly doing that. So there's so much to take in at washrider.com. And best of all, if you punch in the code the Paddlers Pod on checkout, you're going to get 10% off. Mitchell Trim, this is your life. <laughs> it's time to take a deep dive on your paddling journey because it has been a hell of a journey as well. We're now seeing your name pop up at the front of some really big ocean ski races. But mate, I want to throw it back 
all the way back to kick things off and have a chat about how we got to this point. And I believe it all starts at Collaroy Surf Club, hey? In the Nippers movement, when you were once one of the hot young Ironmen getting around the beach. Oh, yeah, exactly right. No, my, my day started at the Collaroy Surf Club. Uh, Dad was the president uh, for, for the few years there. And, mate, I came through the cadets, absolutely loved swimming, board paddling. And then when we could start ski paddling, I loved that even more. And um, it's something that I've always enjoyed. Um, I had some really, really good mentors around me at Collaroy, the likes of Ross Chaffer, who went to uh, Sydney Olympics, Scotty Austin, um, Reese Boswood, who taught me how to paddle, um, the owner of the Boss Surf Skis, and then Greg Greg Armstrong, my cousin, and Matt Giddos, some, some, who's never who I think he made you know ten finals in a row at Currawa back when uh, when he was fit and firing. So wow. there was plenty of class around me, um, and including the Louis Kendrick was uh, you know my training buddy for you know six to seven years. So I had plenty of great athletes around me back at the Collaroy days, and. Yeah, very grateful for that. Mate, we're strictly an ocean ski podcast, but I want to take a bit of a dive into the surf ski side of things for you as well. At what point did you decide that maybe Ironman racing wasn't exactly for you moving forward and you started specialising on your ski paddling? It was probably when I started to juggle a bit of university and work and and then I really enjoyed ski paddling that much more and, and then swimming became a bit harder and then... Um, you know, I was playing footy back in the day, so it was hard to get to board training and it all just became too much. And I saw the boys having a paddle and having a coffee after a few times a week. And I thought that's me, that's me done. <laughs> it's all part of the culture, isn't it? Of ski paddling. Exactly right. It's uh, it's a social sport and, um, you know, everyone can get on and have a, have a yarn and a, and a paddle and have a coffee after and get on with their day. And that's what I love about it. Trimmy, I've said a few times on this podcast that you've been the most consistent and successful spec ski paddler in Australia for at least the last five years, if not longer. How has that rise to the top of Australian surf ski paddling been? And I do say towards the top in those elite few paddlers that are consistently finding themselves at the front of races. I know that you don't want to talk too much about the Australian surf life-saving ski titles. You're yet to win that gold medal. No doubt it's it's on its way. But how many, how many silver and bronzes have you picked up now? Because they're so hard just to get into. You speak about Giddos there making 10 finals. But to find yourself at the front of those races time and time again, it's a consistency that we see from, well, there's very, very few paddlers over the history of surf life saving that have been able to achieve that consistency. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, the, the top of my list is to win an open single ski, um, something that I haven't done uh, yet. I think I've got, I think I've, I've, I've won three silvers and three bronzes. Um, I've got a fifth, an eighth, and I didn't make the final in eight years. So, um, you know, it's it's something that I'm pretty proud of, being consistent, but uh, it's one of those things there that I, I look at that race and it's it's something that I haven't really uh, achieved, you know, uh, achieved my goal. So it's something I'm still working towards. Um, I'm only getting older and I'm starting to... I'm starting to think of, well, if it doesn't happen, well, it's not the end of the world. So I just, I enjoy it for, for what it is. And, and I'm really enjoying the social side of things, of, of catching up with, with friends, you know, after these races. Oh, mate, you're the current Australian double ski champion. You've won a ski relay title as well for Newport, as well as a couple of Taplins. Like there's, you speak about titles, mate, not many people get to put that next to their name. And I think about the way that your paddling's progressed over the years too, you know, watching from a distance. Obviously, we do a lot of training together now, but, you know, I remember when I first started seeing you take those races and, and take them at the front, you've always been so explosive off the start. It feels as though over the last few years that you've added a real maturity to your approach to racing and 
you've really added that fitness and grinding element on the way home too. Has that been something in your mind that maybe that's where ocean ski paddling started to come in? Is that you wanted to make yourself a more rounded kind of paddler? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, a big shout out to Luke Morrison, who's coached me for the last eight years, and and he's he's uh, massive on on worth ethic and getting the the kilometres in the arms before you go out and race, and and it's all well and good being being explosive and getting to the can first, but you know you could easily blow up at the last can and, and have you know six or seven or eight paddlers past you, you know, come past you. Um, so. It's, it's one of those things I've worked hard is, is to try and find that back end. Um, I think s- continuing swimming has helped that and, and bringing in some running. And, and that's, you know, help from the ocean ski sessions that we do during the winter. Yeah, let's talk about ocean ski paddling now. When did you first notice the sport? Oh, it would have been, it would have been when I was, you know, 18 or 19. Um, you know, Dean was, was an ocean paddler. Um, very fortunate, fortunate to get a a fan off him and um and i haven't looked back and you know i started i started doing ocean skis you know 10 years ago and uh i used to race them completely different i'd go go out and try and hang on and then just die in the uh die in the back end so um that was just a young mitch and now i try and race these uh totally different well it's funny because a lot of people did actually say from around the world looking at the 20 beaches results last year seeing a bunch of new names and you're not a new name but you were at the front of that race yourself clubmate Jake Reese from Newport Luke Morrison was up there a lot of guys who people may look at from the outside and go oh they're new to the sport but ocean ski paddling has obviously been something that's been part of your training for at least the last 10 years you just haven't necessarily lined up and done all the big races that other guys have oh definitely it, and it, it's a it's a tricky one uh, when you're working full-time you can't be fit 12 months of the year and and, and I peak for April for the Australian titles and it's really hard to try and peak for the the 20 beaches um, race in November and the doctor um, in and around that same time so I'm now trying to work out how can I get up without you know, dropping everything for 12 months of the year and trying to, you know, being able to work and, and, and live our lives. Um, so, yeah, it's finding that balance of being fit at the back end of April versus being fit in December and, and trying to manage manage your way through the summer. Yeah, and some of those races as well that you have done over the years, I know you've done the doctor a few times and we've had a good laugh about some of the learnings that we've had from doctors over the years. Like, how did you feel, you know, knowing that you've been so sharp and explosive and fast in the surf life saving world, lining up on races like the Doctor's a good example where you have guys from South Africa you've never heard of, you've got guys coming from Europe and America and you're going, hold on a second, like who are these blokes and how are they gone so quick? Well, the, the, the best thing about the Doctor is you think you're paddling well and you come into the turning can off Scarborough and you've got about 20 paddlers around you and you go, how, how have you just turned up here? So um, I love that race, um, you know, very excited to get over there, um, you know, at the back end of the back end of the year and um yeah, it's it's just a learning curve. Every as I said earlier, every race you learn something different, um, and I'll continue to learn um, throughout you know the next couple of years. But ocean racing's great because you can never be too old for it, um, and I'll just you know try and be better and better, try and execute my races um, each time I get out there. Do you think that over time too, you've developed like a I guess a better appreciation for it in terms of its value in in what it does for your surf life saving season? Because I know that. That's something that I find in the sport that a lot of people who are, have come from the surf life saving movement kind of look at downwind paddling and think, oh, why would I want to do a 30K downwinder when I'm only racing for three minutes? But 
I feel as though the older I get, the more and more crossover and benefit there is. You only have to look at the Australian ski finals last year. Yourself and Jacko coming first and second. You both do downwind paddling. Danielle McKenzie and Gemma Smith, two of Australia's, well, Australia's two best spec ski paddlers, they do downwind paddling as well. It's all about feel. Um, you know, you push off that last can in a surf ski race and you've got to try and find a run as quick as you can. And it's like doing any ocean ski downwind race where you're looking for runs every second that you're out there. So no matter how short a surf ski race is, your ocean paddling is benefiting all aspects of your paddling. So it's just trying to find these runs and trying to project that ski forward as, as quick as you can. Well, you certainly do speed very well, mate, but I'm about to put it to the test with, well, the way we end every one of our interviews on this podcast, our 10 doubles segment. Now, Trimmy, you're familiar with the 10 doubles, aren't you? We ask the same 10 questions to each of our guests, and we want you to answer it as quick as possible. Yeah, no dramas. Here we go. All right. Question number one. What paddle length and angle do you use? Uh, a two eleven and a half, and a funky ankle that Tank has got me from years ago. Don't know the number. Bit of intrigue there. So we're, we're thinking flat, or we're thinking sharp. More of an angle than usual paddlers. All right, yeah, I like that you're keeping it secret. Question number two: What's the fastest kilometre you've ever recorded? Oh, that was this year. It was a three, three something. It was a, th- it was a, it was a low threes. I remember we had that stormy downwind day. The morning of the Moon Island Classic, I think. That was it. Yep. Absolutely humming along. Question number three, what's the furthest you've paddled in one session? The furthest I've paddled in one session would be probably 32 kilometres. Plus a Molokai as well that ended with a few tears and a few uh, a few cramps. and. Yes, that's it, 52. <laughs> Question number four, what's your go-to pre-race pump-up song? What gets you fired up? I don't have a pump-up song. I, I listen to a little bit of uh, Kygo or something like that just to mellow me out and relax me, I think. <laughs> I like that. Question number five, what's your favourite race in the world? I do love the Molokai because we get over to Hawaii, um, but the doctor's always pretty special too, getting the boat across and coming back. Hard to tell. I do love the shorts surf ski races too question number six what's your ultimate racing war story when have things just gone wrong for you and you know what i'll open it up to spec ski racing as well have you ever had a race when you've just thought oh well i guess there might have been a couple when you've thought fuck i can't believe that just happened oh i think i may have backshot on a surf ski race and my ski was back to front and upside down and my cap was over my head and there's plenty of memories like that. But in terms of an ocean ski race, I don't think I've had an absolute doozy. Maybe the closest you've come is having to sit on the back of a double with Dean Gardner who rates at 100 miles an hour and you're having to hold on for the ride. Actually, bang on, his rating absolutely murdered me. (laughs) Question number seven, who is the greatest paddler of all time? Oh, you can't beat Clint Robinson. He's done it all. Um, He's done it in flat surf, big surf. Uh, in the kayak, uh, in the ocean ski. Yeah, clip Robbo. I don't think you can argue with that. Question number eight. Who is the worst trainer you've come across? Who has the wrong attitude on the water? Let's throw someone under the bus. Oh, worst trainer. This is a tough one. Gee, we do a lot of training together, so I don't. I, I want to be careful what I'm asking here. Yeah, uh, worst trainer. Uh, I would probably say the best racer would be Max Brooks, who's my teammate, who's, you know, he wouldn't mind me saying, but he's, he's a couple of kilos heavier now and he'll probably come out and absolutely murder someone at Aussie. So, yeah. He got bronze. 
A bronze he's, medal in last year's single ski final. He's not even a ski paddler, and he's come out and got bronze in the open single ski. Unbelievable. Um, Trimmy, question number nine. What do you rate as your greatest paddling achievement? And, mate, that can be on and off the water, just something around paddling. Uh, I think being consistent over 10 years in the open single ski. Um, I'm pretty proud of that, uh, to be on you know, the podium six times over, a, you know, nine years. It's pretty hard to make a final, let alone get on a podium. So I'm pretty proud of that one. Oh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable consistency. And question number 10, finish this sentence. I'm a paddler because... I love hanging out with my friends on top of the water and at the coffee shop after. Well said, Mitchell Trim. Thank you very much for your insights into your paddling journey yes thank you sammy it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and uh, see you on tuesday morning i'll tell you why he doesn't do too bad as a guest host does he mitchell trim we are so thankful for his time in joining me on the paddlers pod as one of our well i guess roster of rotating guest hosts at the moment while we are still without our man maca heinard and he won't be back on the next episode of the paddlers pod either because i've got something else planned for that and a new guest host who I think everyone is going to really enjoy hearing from. So thank you so much for your time. Make sure that you do jump online. Make sure you subscribe and you give us a review and hopefully a good rating. And make sure you tell your friends out on the water as well about the pather and everything that we're doing here. So we will be back soon. And until then, take care. Thanks, everyone. The Paddler's Pod with Sam and Mecca.